0: Throughout the last, I don't know, 5-10 years, maybe 15, I've really seen dentists starting to become more outspoken against the American Dental Association, and I'm also starting to see uh, dentists push back more on insurance companies and not taking their crap. Uh, you know, it's like this whole aura of, oh, we can't speak out against other entities. Well, you know, we need to be kind about it, but my gosh, you know, f- f- there, there is a price to freedom, Right. And maybe we ought to uh, push back a little bit, let them know how we feel. We begin our podcast right there.
1: Welcome all of you fantastic dental podcast listeners to the My Practice My Business Dental Podcast Show, where we help dentists profit and thrive with excerpts from the clinical business of dentistry training here at My Practice My Business. We'll be addressing and answering questions with current trends dentists and their teams face each and every day in their pursuit of this wonderful career we call dentistry. And now the host of our show, the clinical director and president at My Practice My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup.
0: You know, all of us dentists, we play a crucial role in ensuring the oral health of individuals, patients each and every day. But a lot of dentists are hesitate to speak out about dental insurance companies, the American Dental Association, uh, other entities when it comes to policies that negatively affect patient care. And this podcast aims at, at a discussion for the reasons why dentists may be afraid to speak out about these organizations. And I, I want to clarify some things and just hit it right on the head, because evil people rule when good people do nothing, and we've heard that somewhere, right? So the first one that I've always seen and that I hear when we do our trainings is, is fear of retaliation. And one of the primary reasons that Dennis may be hesitant to speak out is the fear uh insurance companies are going to generate retaliation against them, and maybe even the ADA might, you know, blacklist you, or your association might blacklist you. It's like a, you know, you can't speak out against the uh, the the you know Big Brother <laughs> who's looking down on us. So, dental insurance companies have the power to exclude dentists from their provider networks or reduce reimbursements for services if they speak out against them, right? If you and I do. And similarly, the ADA has significant influence in the dental industry, and, and they can sometimes uh, you know, harm dentist reputations by criticizing them publicly, possibly, or in their snide little way of doing it. And dentists may fear losing business or being blacklisted, like I said, within the industry if they speak out. So I'm going to give you an example. When Tracy and I were battling the major dental insurance players with the passing of the network leasing, downcoding, and bundling protections law, which should be in every one of your states, for all you guys listening to us outside of the state of Utah, the first statement that came right out of the gate by Delta Dental was this, quote, If you don't like our policies, you don't have to participate in our plan. End of quote. I'm not saying that guy sounded like that, but maybe. (laughs) So this was interesting to me on so many counts. And one that stuck out immediately in my mind was the fact that Delta Dental, the Delta Dental plan that I originally signed up for years ago, has drastically changed over time, which I know all of you would agree with. They have the ability to change contracts at whim, By changing their handbooks. And boy, I'll tell you, that's something that we all need to go after with legislation in each of our states. And it was again echoed the same thing by Blue Cross Blue Shield when we called them out on extreme bundling of procedures, which they tend to do, and how dentists were discriminated by them as compared to medical uh, billing and, and medicine as a whole. And their CEO told me, quote, you don't have to participate with our plan. End of quote. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you sound like that, too. Well, I, I've got hundreds of patients on those plans. I told them dropping their contracts would, would have a significant financial impact on my practice. That's why I told both of them. So I said, uh, no, I'm not going to drop your plans. And yes, you need to allow dentists like myself to be paid fairly for the services that we provide. Well, it, it turned out that I won that battle here in Utah, and that was pretty cool. And when it comes to conversing with the ADA, it's a completely different animal. For example, the ADA states on their website that bundling is potentially fraudulent. I, you've heard me say this over and over again. Yet right in the CDT codebook, they have verbiage stating anesthetic should usually, the keywords usually, be bundled with every procedure. Interesting, Right. And in the extraction codes, they state, quote, local anesthetic and suturing is included with extractions, end of quote. So I'm like, hello, bundling anyone right in the CDT codebook? And we've tried to get them to remove this verbiage from the CDT codebook for years now. But they refuse to do so. And why is that? Well, I'll let you make up your own conclusions on that one. But does medical charge for those codes? Yes, they do. Why are dentists reluctant to charge for anesthetic and suturing? I know it's fear. Fear of the EOB stating it's inclusive. Fear of the patient freaking out because you just charged them for something that you've been doing for free all these years. Unbelievable. That's our poor business training, right? And fear of actually making money at what you do. Again, business training. And what does the ADA do for us with PPO plans to make us actually profitable? <laughs> Small things that have to be mined like with a pick, you know, like the seven dwarfs and discovered by yourself from their website. You actually have to go hunt this stuff down. And why don't they more openly protect us from PPO plans and bring these things to light? And my answer is the fact that an organization cannot serve two masters. And if we speak out against it, our statements are typically just brushed under the rug. No wonder membership continues to decline. Okay? So you still have to battle it, though, docs. You can't give up. Number two is lack of resources. Another reason why dentists may not speak out is the lack of of funds to be able to do so. Dental practices are often small businesses, right? that may not have the financial means to engage in advocacy efforts or lawsuits against insurance companies or the ADA. And I say that really cautiously because, again, you've heard me talk about the dozen dentists out on the East Coast that threatened to sue the ADA. They were engaged, ready to go if the ADA caved into the dental insurance companies and had anesthetic codes removed from the CDT codebook. Think about that noodle on it because you need to understand That concept right there, meaning dentists uh, in this nation do charge for anesthetic. But most of you give it away for free because that's what the consultants have told you to do. That's what professors in schools have told you to do. Uh, All these people, I'm just going to say right now, uh, no business training and background, and I could go on, but I'm not going to be totally rude today. This lack of resources may prevent dentists from effectively advocating for their interests, right? Right. So that's a problem. And and I had a thought that hit my mind when I was preparing this podcast. And I, I thought, the ADA and its national and local leadership continually advocate for us to band together to protect organized dentistry by joining our associations, you and I, paying dues. Let's do it. I'm a dues-paying ADA member. And... I love some things they do, and a lot of things they do, I just roll my eyes, and other things I do, I just get really pissed. So is their idea of organized dentistry the proliferation of DSOs? What is it? Is it their for-profit side of the ADA and supporting special interests of dental insurance companies who fund them? And my favorite one is now they're farming out our uh, our private uh, data in uh, to companies to be able to uh, market to us directly when that information was always supposed to be um, held confidential. Just saying. And now a statement. Tracy and I want to thank this is a this is a newsflash. All of you, okay? Tracy and I want to thank all of our clients, past, present, and future. Because It's because of you that we have been able to take a portion of our profits from my practice, my business, and invest them back to all of you. And those funds are used to promote legislation to further protect dentists and the patients that we serve, right? And Tracy and I spent this year softening the battlefield once again to be able to hopefully promote and pass more legislation next year that will benefit Utah dentists. Uh, And with any luck... (laughs) be passed in the state that you reside in outside of utah we'll have more on that to come but uh it's interesting that um you know even people who train out of state with us um we are actually our funds that go to pass these laws are actually uh we're trying to push them into other states for many reasons and the insurance companies are trying to get us to lower the level of care oh my gosh we have backed up Delta Dental of Washington uh, between our company and a, and a company called the Richardson Group up there, pretty decent uh, uh, consulting company, and uh, the Kois Institute, which is absolutely amazing. Kois Institute, if you guys haven't been to any trainings of theirs, uh, definitely highly recommend them. I love uh, the things that I'm hearing from the dentists that are being taught by them. So, uh, these us and those two other entities, yeah. Uh, the COO of Delta Dental Washington, <laughs> oh my gosh, couldn't answer basic questions that should have been answered readily. Uh, maybe more on that to follow. I don't know. We'll see what happens. The third one is limited time. Dentists also have limited time to devote to advocacy efforts. In running a dental practice, it requires significant time and effort. And dentists may not have the time to engage in advocacy work. Additionally, some dentists may not be interested in or knowledgeable about advocacy issues, further limiting uh, the willingness to speak out and to be able to break away from our practices, get out of our caves and go help with these efforts. Because the large majority of us, are, we're just trying to make a living day to day, just trying to keep the patients happy, our team happy. We honestly don't have the time to spend on Capitol Hill working on bills. Hell, most of us don't even know where to begin when it comes to passing legislation unless uh, we've been experiencing it before, which I was fortunate enough to be able to do. The interesting thing is, is all your state associations do have political action committees and should have somebody that's uh, a lobbyist on your association's uh, team. So I don't know where, you know, where you lie with those, but uh, that's what your funds should go for. So we assume our our association leaders are doing these things, but they actually don't know anything either in most instances we've seen in most states. And this is where we rely on our state association executives to run point on all these types of questions and their associated problems because the actual leadership, you know, the president, president elect, whoever, delegates, um, they don't know. Uh, a lot of the stuff that goes on, they don't even know what their executives do half the time. And the executives in some states, like I said, are questionable. But, you know, it's like, uh, do they? Uh, You know, that's your job. (laughs) You as the dentist of the association, if you're a dues-paying member, that's your job to hold their feet to the fire. Constantly calling them, emailing them, asking them, what are you doing to pass legislation to protect us in dentistry. Number four uh, is the fear of being seen as unprofessional. Now, we've had some people here in Utah that have uh, done some unprofessional things, so to speak, in going after the insurance companies. Uh, They had good intentions, but they didn't listen and kind of got spanked. And that's fine. We continue to see these groups here. I'd rather I'd rather have people trying to do something than doing nothing but again there's there there are protocols and certain codes of ethics that you ought to follow when you're trying to pass laws or trying to bring legislation forward and that's where your association executive should be able to help so you know we dentists are healthcare professionals and and, and some of us fear that speaking out against insurance companies or the ADA could be seen as unprofessional well, it depends on how you do it, right? So do it with fact, unemotional fact, okay? Because I believe that most of these leaders do want to help. There's a lot of them there that just want a plaque on the wall, but I have talked to a lot of our leaders in Utah here, and they really do want to help and and change things. So dentists may worry that publicly criticizing, you know, these types of organizations could damage their professional reputation or, or harm their relationships with patients even, but on the contrary, if we don't speak out on topics affecting the delivery of dental care, then we're go- we should be held responsible as individuals. It's kind of like voting, you know? We, we, people have died in our country throughout hundreds of years, just so you and I could have the power to vote and have a, a, a democratic republic, right, in our nation. So we should vote. <laughs> At the baseline of our, our conflict— Any kind of conflict that we have, the the baseline of a, a pyramid is trust. And our associations need to understand what causes dysfunctions in organizations. And unfortunately, the ADA, in my opinion, has lost the trust of many of its members. And that's another reason why we're seeing a loss in ADA membership, because they've lost that trust. That's not Rob's words. That's actually the words of all of you clients and everybody else out there that we've talked to. It's really sad. Why have they lost that trust? What is it? Do they really want to know what it is? I don't see any surveys going out, but they sure are screaming about losing membership left and right. So when I sit in delegate meetings here in Utah, it feels like the leaders are chosen from what was mentioned recently as the good old boy network that I talked about in another podcast. And the topics for discussion are usually, honestly, truly, usually nothing to do with the front lines of dentistry. And if you speak up against something, you're You're either lacking professionalism, or you just aren't as smart as the rest of the crowd there. Maybe you've experienced this in your own associations, possibly. And if you have experienced it, keep speaking up on it. Our past executive was always worried about the association being sued, whatever. Where our current executive isn't afraid to, he's not afraid to tackle hard problems. That's why he's got my love and respect, really. So what kind of executive does your state association currently have? You need to ask that qu- question. So there are several reasons why dentists may be hesitant to speak out against dental insurance companies and the American Dental Association or your state associations because of fear of retaliation, lack of resources, limited time, and, and fear of being seen as unprofessional. And, and they're all factors that may contribute to the dentist's reluctance to engage in advocacy efforts. But addressing these concerns and providing dentists with the necessary support and resources, that can help encourage them to speak out and advocate for their interests in the dental industry. That's what I hope all of you do. Ultimately, you and I, like any professional, have to make individual decisions on whether or not to speak out on issues affecting our industry. It's important to note that some dentists and dental organizations do openly criticize insurance companies or the ADA, and others may choose to advocate for change through more private channels, hence what we kind of do here at MPMB. Either way, please uh, be civil in your endeavors. Be peacemakers. and uh, But remember, peace should not come at any price. Thanks for listening, and I hope you all have a great day. I hope this has uh, caused a little bit of thought for you to maybe get involved in your state association and uh, start thinking about uh, not sitting back and being a complainer, but actually be that person that, that brings forth positive change in this wonderful profession we call dentistry. Thanks again.
1: Thank you for being with us today. Since 2006, My Practice, My Business has been teaching dentists and their teams business skills, dental insurance contractual protocols, and state laws governing how to profitably bill patients fairly for the need-based services they provide. What's more, we guarantee our training, unlike other dental consulting companies in the industry. Simply stated, if you don't increase your net revenue, we don't get paid. We call it dental consulting the way it should be. We believe there has never been a more important time than now for dentists to experience and implement our key methods, knowledge, and business training within their dental practices. To learn more about our guaranteed, no risk clinical business of dentistry training that is changing dental practices for the better, just go to our website, mypracticemybusiness.com, and surf our pages for additional information about our company and the services we provide. When you're ready, give us a call and get scheduled for the most profitable dental business training that you will ever experience. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a five-star review. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us. Thank you again and have a fantastic day.